What's really good and welcome back to another episode of The Sanchez Show. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend in Two Games. Make sure you follow me across all social media platforms. Shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. And if you've got a question or a topic you want to hear discussed on the show, send it in. We'll get into it. Also, do remember, tomorrow, Friday, October 28th, we have the Friday Night Live series as it continues. The Opinionated Ones is part of The Sanchez Show. Facebook, 9 p.m. live. We're going to try to get it streamed across other platforms tomorrow night. So stay tuned for the link on that. But always it's on Facebook no matter what, even if we can't get it up on other um, platforms. Uh, and then Sunday, tune in. Trip Young and I are doing a pregame show now moving forward throughout the NFL season every Sunday at 11 a.m. It's a Real Fans Real Talk, the Sanchez Show collaboration. We go for about an hour and a half leading up to kickoff, breaking down the upcoming games, and then anything else that takes place in sports over the weekend. It's a little different from the live because the live we mainly focus on football and basketball, whereas the uh, pregame will focus not only on football's games that day, but anything else, baseball, boxing, MMA, anything else, like I said, that takes place throughout the weekend or that's leading up to Sunday. So we'll get into all that. But today it is Thursday, October 27th. We got some Thursday night football we got to get into. The picks have been hot, man. I keep telling you guys, I hope you're not sleeping on the picks. Just to give you an idea, we're heading into week eight right now. The month of October is over. We're getting into the holiday season. But through seven weeks, last week I was four and two. Had a good week last week. The 401k pick of the week, we gave you two of them. They split. We gave you two upset picks. They split. And then we correctly picked the Seattle game and correctly picked Kansas City in their game as well. But on the season, I'm 27 and 11, man. I'm as hot as it gets. The full 1K pick of the week is 7-2. And, and the Thursday night football pick is 5-2. So let's start there with the Thursday night game. It's the Ravens traveling down to Tampa Bay. I like Baltimore. We're going to get right to it. I don't have to give you too much uh, a teaser as to who I'm going to pick. It's Baltimore for a number of reasons. First and foremost, Tampa Bay is so banged up. The O-line is really banged up right now. They're going to be missing four potential starters tonight. That does not bode well for them on a short week coming off the two performances they just had against Pittsburgh and Carolina where they struggled to protect Tom. It's only going to get worse. They're also missing some weapons. Russell Gage is not playing tonight. Julio Jones is a game-time decision, so they're a little thin there. They can't run the ball either. Believe it or not, Tampa Bay is only averaging about 65 yards a game on the ground. That's not going to cut it. They need to bump those numbers up. I don't think that changes. Also, Baltimore, even though they're 4-3 and three on the season, we got to do a little deeper dive and look at some of the games they lost and the teams they lost to. Those were very winnable games that they had in their grasp. We're talking about the loss to Miami. We're talking about the loss to Buffalo and the loss to the Giants. Oh, by the way, all three of those teams are playoff caliber teams. The Giants, 6-1. Buffalo is 6-1. Miami's 4-3. So they're not losing the scrubs. On the flip side, Tampa Bay has looked really bad against lesser competition. And now that they're so injured, I don't think this gets better for them. I was surprised to see the line at Tampa Bay's favorite. I had to look at it a couple times. Tampa Bay's favorite by two points in this game. I would take the Ravens straight up money line. I think the Ravens win this game, and I think they win it easily. On a short week, Tampa Bay, with all the issues they have going on internally, there are people questioning the play calling by Byron Leftwich. There are people wondering if Todd Bowles is the right guy to be the head coach of this team. There are some people that are even wondering if Tom Brady's going to get through the whole season. And on a short week, you got to prepare for Lamar and a Baltimore team that is really, really good and better than their record would suggest. I like Baltimore to win outright. Uh, I could see this 
being probably a six point game. This might be in a range of 23-17, somewhere around there. I like I like Baltimore though. We're gonna get into the full 1K picks tomorrow, so you guys gotta tune in. We got some great ones for you guys. But yeah, that's the Thursday night pick. Let's get into a little bit of a uh, NBA talk, and then we got a World Series prediction. We gotta make. Oh, one more thing on the NFL. I want to get into. The news broke the other day about the Colts moving on from Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger as a starting quarterback. Uh, looks like it's going to be for the remainder of the season. Uh, initially, it was speculated that this move was made because Matt Ryan has had a separated shoulder during last week's game. But Frank Wright has already come out. They're sticking with Sam through the rest of the year. Just to give you guys a couple thoughts on this. As you know, if you follow the show, I am a Colts fan. I like the move. Now, I'm disappointed in how this team has played. I know the record is 3-3-1. I know they still have an opportunity to be a playoff team. But I'm disappointed as a whole how this team has played. And it's not all on Matt Ryan. Could he have taken better care of the ball and stopped the turnovers? Absolutely. He's got to do a better job, especially with the interceptions. He's a veteran quarterback. He's thrown into too much coverage far too often. The arm strength isn't there. You got to be a little smarter with the ball. I get that. But this also isn't the team that Matt Ryan signed up for. He thought he was coming to a situation with a really good offensive line, with a really good running game that was going to be able to make up for some of the things he was lacking physically. The running game hasn't been good all year. Aside from opening day when Jonathan Taylor ran for about a buck 40, they haven't been good all year. The O-line has been terrible. A lot of that has to do with injuries. They've kind of had a revolving door at left tackle. Uh, Ryan Kelly, their center, has been in and out of the lineup. Right tackle, Braden Smith has been in and out of the lineup. Really, the only consistent has been Quentin Nelson. Everybody else has rotated some, some form of fashion. So that hasn't been as good for them. And a skill position, which we knew could be a problem because there was no legitimate number one receiver. I know they want Michael Pittman to be that guy, but they had no real guy. They were banking on the other things being pretty good and then Matt Ryan's uh, experience to make up for, for the lack of experience at wide receiver. But all those things have struggled. And that's why Matt Ryan has struggled. The reason I like the move for Sam Ellinger is really because he provides two things that Matt Ryan doesn't. He's got a better arm than Matt Ryan right now, and he's much more mobile than Matt Ryan ever was. So those two things, I think, are going to help out the Colts offense. Too many times Matt Ryan is in the pocket. He's holding the ball too long. Then he tries to maneuver to make a play happen. He's not a mobile guy. I said this on a live a few weeks ago after they beat Denver. I hate seeing him scramble around the pocket. Get rid of the ball or take the sack, but don't try to extend the play and then and then fumble or throw an interception. It's not worth it. So that's why I like the move. Obviously, the kid is young. This is his first career start. So there are going to be some bumps in the road. But I think his skill set just fits this team right now better than Matt Ryan. If that makes sense for you guys. I'm sure it does. Let's get into some NBA talk, though, man. Um, in a few weeks. I'm going to have Combos Court join the show. We're going to do some hypothetical trades for you guys when he joins the show. So I know you guys are going to like that. And I'll tease that one before it comes out. But I wanted to give the season a little time to warm up. Still very early in the season to be throwing out hypothetical trades. So let's give it another week or two. But a couple things stand out right away. First, I'll start with my Knicks. I love what I'm seeing from the Knicks. Jalen Brunson has brought a level of stability and poise to the point guard position. Everyone else is falling in line. Julius Randle looks better. RJ Barrett looks better. Cam Reddish has been amazing so far through the first week, week and a half of the season. We're going to learn a lot about the Knicks, though, their next seven games. The next seven games get a lot tougher, and I know it's a great story if you're a Knicks fan. I know it's an exciting time to see a team that looks just such much more professional, for, for lack of a better term. They just look 
like a team that knows what they're doing on every possession that looks like they have a, a level of uh, uh just credibility now Jalen Brunson has brought something different he had a big three yesterday yesterday might have been his, his signature game as a Knicks so far in terms of you know they're down three he hits a big three late with a minute to go um and then they end up winning in overtime but overall it just seems like everything now has lined up a little better with Jalen Brunson the pecking order is a little better now you see guys kind of deferring to him as a true point guard I love that about it but again the next seven games are going to be telling man um tomorrow night in Milwaukee two nights after that they're in Cleveland then the calendar flips in November doesn't get any easier Hawks Sixers Celtics Timberwolves Nets that's their next seven I know the Sixers and the Nets have struggled they've gotten out to slow starts but that doesn't change the fact that those are still very tough games again three and one right now we're going to learn a lot about the Knicks over their next couple games you know you got Milwaukee right now who's three and oh you got Cleveland who's three and one you got Boston who's three and one you got Atlanta who's three and one we're gonna see we're gonna see very quickly how good this team really is um but nonetheless it is an exciting time I'm glad to see that they're three and oh at home I'm glad to see that the defense has been a little better than it was last year we got to see how it plays out now in terms of Philly as I mentioned, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm not going to be too harsh on Brooklyn. I, I think it's, it's very difficult. And though I don't always agree with Kyrie, what he said yesterday was true. Ben Simmons has not played basketball in almost two years. So we can't be too critical of his performance through the first week of the season. We've got to at least give him 20 games under his belt before we really can analyze it. And that's why I'm going to lay off Brooklyn a little bit. You guys know I, I, I've... I've going crazy and going hard on Brooklyn but I'm gonna I'm lay off right now I'm gonna give them a little bit more time to see how it works out because they still have one of the top three players in the game and Kevin Durant they're gonna figure that out it may require a coaching change but they're gonna figure that out but for Philly this is what I was so concerned about when we talked about in our pregame show shout out to Will Gordon shout out to Combos Court we did that Monday night live right before the season tipped off and I said then I don't really like Doc Rivers I love Joel Embiid I got to see how this plays out for them. I love Joel Embiid. I like Tyrese Maxey. I even expected Harden to be better this year. Combo and Will thought even more of, Will, uh, of, of James Harden going into this season, but I thought he would be better. He has been better. But that defense is very shaky. That defense has is, is, is been shaky. And I'm not a fan of Doc Rivers. And Doc is going to have to figure this out. He's going to have to figure out a way to get the most out of this team and be better. They were outcoached and outplayed by Toronto last night. They got to be better, man. Toronto right now, three and two. Toronto's a good team. As I'm already on record, I think everyone in that Atlantic division is going to make the playoffs. But Doc's got to be better if Philly is going to be better than just a playoff team. Out West is getting ugly for the Lakers. And I got to admit, the Lakers are the inspiration behind doing a hypothetical trade episode with combo coming up soon the lakers look trash the lakers look absolutely trash and defensively they've been better defensively when you look at the numbers you say oh that's a, that's a pretty good team but offensively is where it's really an issue you're talking about last in points per game 100, 102 points you got teams like orlando scoring more than you. you got teams like sacramento and detroit scoring more than you this was a team that centered around AD and LeBron. 
the offensive struggles to me is is mind-boggling a little bit because you would think that would be the area they would be better in. Yes, I know they can't shoot threes. That's always been everyone's, um, I, I guess, smudge on this team. Everyone's criticism of this team, mine included, they can't shoot threes. But I just thought with those two guys, you would at least be able to get into your offense a little easier. You would at least be able to find something that works offensively. 102 games, 102 points through four games is bad. That's really bad in today's modern NBA. But the Lakers are going to have to do something. And it's going to get away from them quick. This is going to get away from them super duper quick. Again, the reason why I'm putting together this hypothetical trade episode is the Lakers. Because the Lakers try to go on record and say, we're not making any moves until after Thanksgiving. You're not going to be able to wait that long. I promise you, you're not going to be able to wait another month if you're the Lakers to make a trade. Because by then, it'll be too late. It'll get, it's going to get too far away from you. And the, and the cynical thing to, to watch here, the, the, the aspect that no one's really talked about yet. People have hinted and, and, and danced around it, but no one's really talked about it because it's still so early in the season. This year's Lakers pick does not belong to the Lakers. It would be cynical of us, like I said, to, to turn that into an actual watch and say, let's see how far the Lakers can fall before they have to make a trade knowing they don't own this year's pick. The Pelicans own this year's pick. At the time of the AD trade, I thought it was a bad trade. I thought they gave up too much. They got their one championship out of it, which people will say, oh, well, it was worth it. No, it really wasn't. It, it took a pandemic and a bubble to get them to that championship. If that had been a traditional NBA season without that five-month layoff, they wouldn't have won a championship. I'm, I'm willing to bet money they would not have won a championship because AD would not have gotten through the whole season. Even watching some of the behind-the-scenes stuff about the bubble and what the teams and the players were going through, to me, discredits that championship even more. When you hear Anthony Davis say himself that multiple teams in a bubble were ready to leave because of the social injustice taking place within the country, because of the climate of the country, because of the players feeling like this was an opportunity to let their voice be heard and flex their muscle. It, it leads me to believe that everyone wasn't tuned in. Everyone wasn't dialed in on a mission of trying to win a championship. It's why we saw some of the games we saw in the bubble, some of the performances we saw in the bubble. I don't think they would have won the championship that year if not for the pandemic, man. So to me, the trade was not worth it. But we're going to continue to monitor both those teams. I think Philly is in a better situation than the Lakers are in, but it's still something to pay attention to. It's still something that we're going to have to keep an eye out for. See how that progresses, man. Again, this is The Sanchez Show. Make sure you follow me across all social media platforms. And do remember, every Friday night, Friday night live series, The Opinionated Ones. is part of The Sanchez Show. We go live on Facebook. This week, we're going to try to broadcast it out on Twitter, on Twitch, on YouTube. Try to get more involvement going. Try to get more people involved. You guys are going to like it. Trust me, man. We got some picks, as we always do. The 401k pick of the week. The upset pick of the week. It's going to be a great time, man. Also, Sunday, the pregame show. The Sanchez Show, along with Real Fans Real Talk, Trip Young and myself. Every Sunday, 11 a.m., we go for about an hour and a half leading up to kickoff. Of course, we're talking football and we're answering your questions that day. But we're getting into everything sports related. Baseball. Because at that point, we'll have at least uh, one game of the World Series in. We're going to get into uh, some boxing because there is some boxing this weekend. Vasily Lomachenko is in the ring. And then obviously there's the Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva fight. Um, 
you know, and, and let me give you my thoughts on that a little bit too now, because again, when I when I see you guys on Sunday, the fight would have already taken place. I first things first, there's no need for an in-depth fight breakdown on this. It is technically a, a an official fight, but it feels more like an exhibition. Anderson Silver has only got two boxing matches under his belt. One of them was against a boxer in, in Chavez Jr. The other one was more of an exhibition against Tito Ortiz. Um, Jake Paul has been practicing for about three years now. He has not fought an official boxer yet. So that's why I don't like to give him credit uh, for, for a lot of these wins because he's fighting guys who are just as inexperienced as he is. Though, again, I, I commend him for putting in the work into the craft. And I applaud him for what he's trying to do for the sport of boxing. I think that gets lost in this as well. Too many people want to criticize him for who he is and what they don't like about him. But for the sport of boxing, he's bringing a lot of eyes and he's creating attention around the sport in a way that very few fighters have ever done. You know, so I, I commend him for that. But in this particular fight, I expect Jake Paul to win. If we're going to if, if we got to pick a winner, I expect Jake Paul to win. He's younger. He's stronger. He's probably had a little bit more experience than Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva is an MMA legend. Anderson Silva is a guy who, when it comes to the fight game, is one of the greatest. But you're also asking a guy who hasn't boxed for long, who hasn't trained to box for long, to get in there with somebody who's got a little bit more experience than him, because Jake does. Again, three years of training for the sport, being a little more active in the ring. I think I like Jake in this one. I, I would be surprised if he knocks Anderson out, though. I'm going to be honest. I would be surprised from that aspect. But if he does it, I mean, we got to tip our hat and give the kid credit, man. Again, we're, we're finding reasons to not like the kid as opposed to embracing what he's doing for the sport. So I commend him for that. Uh, Lomachenko's back. I expect Lomachenko to win in his return. And it could set up the potential fight with Devin Haney. Devin Haney has already said he would love to fight Lomachenko because he knows what it could do for his career. So that's something else to keep an eye on. But that's a fight I'm definitely uh, going to be tuned into just to see how Lomachenko looks. Well, Lomachenko, one of the greats in lightweight. And I would love to see him in there with Devin Haney. I would love to see him in there with Teofimo Lopez again. So we'll see how that plays out. But let's get to the World Series picks. Tomorrow night also kicks off the World Series. The Houston Astros hosting the Phillies. The Astros, we expected them to be here. They had the best record in the American League. They swept the Mariners in their uh, LDS series. They swept the Yankees in the LCS series. They've been everything we expected. Dusty Baker has those guys back in the World Series. Previous episode, I referenced it. They are a modern-day dynasty. Six consecutive LCS appearances. This is their fourth World Series appearance uh, in seven years. Ah, they, they, they are the modern-day dynasty. They are the modern-day Braves. They're not the Yankees, but they're definitely the modern-day Braves in comparison to what the Braves did in the 90s. So, the Astros on the... I mean, the Phillies on the other hand. Kind of seemed like a team of destiny, right? It's coming along at the, at the right time. Gotten hot at the right time. Bryce Harper, this is his moment. And kudos to Bryce Harper, man. I am very happy for Bryce Harper. I, I've said for a long time that Major League Baseball missed an opportunity to promote some of their young stars, specifically Bryce Harper. Because if you know Bryce Harper's journey, if you paid attention to him coming up through the ranks, he was Major League Baseball's version of LeBron James. He was the high school phenom that everyone has seen the YouTube clips of, that had played in all the showcases, that was hitting mammoth home runs in a high school home run derby, who then dropped out of high school just so he could get his GED and fast track his progression to Major League Baseball. Um, 
because by dropping out and getting his GED, he was able to enroll in community college earlier and get into the draft a little earlier. And so Major League Baseball, I thought, missed an opportunity with him. You're talking about the young phenom, you know, with the big personality who was hitting all these home runs, playing in a major market in D.C., especially at a time in D.C. when the Nationals obviously weren't World Series champs, but the Nationals themselves were still fighting for respect and credibility. This this wasn't long after the Nationals had moved originally from Montreal to become the Nationals. So you had the young star, the young phenom that you could have promoted, and they didn't. I thought they missed the boat drastically with him. All he's done is won multiple MVPs in the league. All he does is continue to hit 30-plus home runs every year. One of the best ball players in the game and one of the guys who kind of gets overlooked because, again, he's not promoted correctly. He's a guy who we had legitimate conversations about. Was he better than Mike Trout? And now he's able to add something into his resume that Mike Trout doesn't have. For as much as we love Mike Trout, Mike Trout still hasn't been to the playoffs. Bryce Harper has multiple times been to the playoffs. Now Bryce Harper has led his team to a World Series. Bryce Harper is in that conversation again as one of the best players in the game. So kudos to him. Kudos to the Phillies organization, though. Keeping it together. Making a move and moving on from Joe Girardi earlier this season. But I think this is where it ends for them. I think the Houston Astros are just too good. I think the Houston Astros are just a much more complete team. Um, the days off won't have an advantage either way. I don't think both these teams were hot. You know, the Phillies... Uh, have played an extra round that compared to Houston, but they both were hot right now. So I don't think there's an advantage one way or the other. The only thing, the only real advantage for me is that the pitching now really gets to align itself for Houston. I know if you're the Phillies, you say, hey, we get to throw Wheeler and Nola in game one. I still like Verlander and Valdez uh, in those two games. DH won't be an issue because now there's, there's the universal DH. So that doesn't play a factor. Uh, home field, both these parks you can hit a lot of home runs out of. Um, but again, I just like Houston. I, I just I just feel they're the better team. And with both teams getting the same amount of rest, no, no real advantage either way of a team has been playing and had to work their way in. I thought that was a big advantage for Philly too when they beat the Braves, that they actually had to play through the finish line where the Braves got that couple days off and then never regained their traction. Now, with both teams being off for five days, there isn't one team that's hotter than the other. I think the Houston Astros will handle this stage a little better than the Phillies. And I, I'm really rooting for Dusty Baker. So I'm going to say Houston in six. That's my prediction. Houston in six. And as I've questioned and, and presented before, if Houston wins this one, do we call them the modern day dynasty? In my opinion, yes. They win this one. This would be their second World Series. Again, uh, four appearances in, in six years, seven years. I think Houston is a modern-day dynasty. But you let me know what you think, man. This is The Sanchez Show, man. Again, tune in tomorrow night, Friday Night Live on Facebook, 9 p.m. Also, tune in Sunday for the pregame show on YouTube. Links will be included in the bio, so you guys got no excuse. I want to see you there. I want to see your questions. I want to see your comments, man. That being said, I am Eric Sanchez. This is The Sanchez Show.